From the nostalgic haze of the 2000s, many films are idealized, their flaws lost to time. In an all-but-forgotten DVD store, two dedicated employees seek truth in these rose-tinted films. They are James and Alex. These are their reviews. So this is a bit of a weird one. I haven't heard from management in a few months now, and honestly, I thought they'd forgotten about us completely. But uh, the other day, I received this email on the, uh, on the work computer. Management would like to inform all listeners of the Long Overdue podcast that the events outlined in The Shaggy Dog are in no way emblematic of reality. Please stop chasing people's dogs around parks in an attempt to get them to bite you in an effort to fix your ailing marriages and home life. We take no legal responsibility for the rabies. I mean, admittedly, I actually haven't been outside for a while, so I can't confirm whether any of that is true. I've been working this shift for the last couple of months now, so I haven't slept, I haven't eaten, and I sure as hell haven't gone outside and sat in a park with, uh, with a couple of dogs, but at this point in time, maybe the dog zombie virus has actually caught on a little faster than we were thinking about last week. To be honest, my relationship with my family, considering I work the night shift and the day shift in an abandoned uh, DVD store, has already hit rock bottom. So I kind of gave up on the idea of a dog biting me in an effort to fix it. So you're right, maybe the dog zombie virus has caught on and maybe the world at large is dead, which is why we've had no visitors, no rentals. But hey, that door's always open, so if anyone ever wants to come around, please do. I've been, I've been a little bit sad. Uh, I mean, I've just been stuck, stuck with this guy. In the nicest way possible. It makes no difference to me. We are paid by the hour. There's no commission here. But uh, I don't know. Look, despite the fact that apparently it could be the end of the world, there's always movies to be returned. So that means there's always movies to be watched. And I'm about, pretty excited. about two weeks have passed mm. since uh, the shaggy dog was dropped through our door. Uh, uh, hang on. Oh, well, there's a, there's a shadowy figure walking past. Oh, it's still actually, it's still, it's still night time, by the way. Uh, it's getting, it's getting a little bit close to uh, three in the morning, as it was last time. Clonk. <laughs> we actually extended the length of our shoot uh, since since last time. But uh, I don't know who who picks it up. Do I do it this week or do you? The last movie I touched turned out to be a bit cursed. <laughs> Maybe if you touch it this time, it'll be a better film. Okay. So why don't you go and tell us what it is? You know what? Let's let's give it a red hot go. All right. I'm going to uh, walk away. Uh, you can tell that I've walked away because I'm quieter. And now I'm back. Hang on. This was from the year I was born. Except I wasn't born in 2002, but this movie is from 2002. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be The Scorpion King. Have you, have you seen this one before? Do you know what The Scorpion King is? Do you know what it represents? Are you, are you talking about The Scorpion King, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson? That he's the, it's the man himself. We've got Dwayne Johnson has dropped in to our giant tinfoil shoot. He's a big man, so he I don't is. know how he fit down our flimsy shoot. Well, you know what? He's a pretty nice guy as well, so I think he did it, he did it for the fans. But I'm, I'm, excited to see, uh, I'm excited to see this one. I, look, I'll be honest. I know that last, uh, last time we had a movie drop in, both of us had seen it. This now, time I don't think... Either of us have seen this. I personally, I know the Scorpion King exists, especially in regards to Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, storied uh, career and meteoric rise to fame, mm. but I've never seen the Scorpion King as a film in and of itself. Yeah, neither have I. I look, so there are, there are a couple of things I know about it. 
and there are a couple of things which I really want to know about it. Admittedly, uh, how the movie starts and uh, and ends. I don't know anything about and that. And everything in the middle. Most of the stuff in the middle. I'm sure I won't be surprised by a couple of things, but for the most part, I think I might be uh, caught a little off guard. This one's actually supposed to be a prequel to uh, everyone's favorite, Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. And The Mummy Returns as well, specifically. Because Dwayne The Rock Johnson showed up in that one, the second one, uh, in 2001, I think. So, The Scorpion King, mm. uh, a Prequel. vehicle for Dwayne, mm. hot off the heels of star of the early 2000s, late 90s, Brendan Fraser. Mm. The Mummy. The Mummy. He was there. And so and fr- The Mummy Returns. Yeah. He was also there, I think. I'm pretty sure. Brendan I, think, Fra- I know there was a third Mummy. Ah, probably. I, I, I don't care about anything. As soon as Dwayne The Rock Johnson in, got involved in the scene, I'm like, he's, this is the man I'm going to watch. So he showed up uh, 2001, just as a random character. 2002, first leading role, actually, as well. His first, uh, his first leading role outside of uh, being a king of the ring uh, in WWE. He was an absolute madman. Earned him the title The Rock as well. Shout out to our boy Vince McMahon, uh, who actually owns the, the rights to that name, I think. Which is why he's apparently an executive producer on this film. He is. He, uh, he is. You can see his name on the box. But, alright, so, not only was this uh, released a year after The Mummy Returns, but it was also set 5,000 years before The Mummy. So, we've got, we've got a sequel to a prequel of a Dwayne The Rock Johnson film. That's... Like that's pretty exciting. This is a this this is a timeline which is setting up. What we're starting two thousand two, but so there, there were more. There was more than one. The uh the mummy. Well, there was more than one. The mummy. There was. Uh, but there's also more than one. Uh, the Scorpion King film. Important to note. Yeah. No single actor has played the Scorpion King. Uh, in a row. Yeah. They they cycle them out like it's um it's like James Bond. Yeah, they cycle them out like it's just yesterday's old bread. Like they just every single. I mean, it's every couple of years they make one. Two thousand eight, twelve, fifteen, and eighteen were the second through fifth films. Now, any aficionados of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as we kind of inevitably end up talking about every week, uh, will know that these are one previous weeks. Anyone who watches us, <laughs> anyone who's listened to us, god damn it, anyone who listens to us. Uh, we'll know that, yeah, we're big fans. So 2008 marked the start of the MCU, being with Iron Man. Yep. 2012 was uh, was the next one, Avengers, okay? First Avengers movie. Pretty good. Joss Whedon, great guy. Don't know him, but sure. 2015, Age of Ultron. Pretty average film, but still pivotal nonetheless. A film, yeah. Yeah, It well, it wasn't not a film. Much like uh, the Scorpion King film released that year. Yeah. Both were films. That's true. 2018, Infinity War. Again, pivotal. Again, Joss Whedon, but not. So, I don't know. There's a, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of a pattern here. They're all years, and they all included some phenomenal films, being all the Scorpion King movies. So, here's, here's my thought, all right? Initial thought. The only reason that uh, the Scorpion King wasn't as, if not more famous, than everything or anything that Marvel's ever built was because they didn't release them in the same month and therefore snuff out the fame. Of, uh, of of Robert Downey Jr. and his little cohort of uh, of superhero posse friends. I think it's disappointing that the Skooku um, really fell flat on its face in comparison to the MCU. It did, yeah. The, the Skooku being obviously the uh, the Scorpion King universe, cinematic universe, as it will be here on referred to as. It encompasses, uh, you know, the Mummy films with Brendan Fraser, mm. the, all the Scorpion King films. Mm. Doesn't include 
the Dooku. No, uh, and why would it? You know, that's the Dooku. You can't, you can't. We can't mince words. We can't umbrella the Skooku into the Dooku because, like, if you're getting if you're getting the Dooku mixed up with your Skooku, then you're a bit of a fool. I mean, if you really think about it, the, the Skooku and the Dooku just don't mix. They don't. The, it's oil and water. It's oil and water. I would, I'd like to explain the Dooku, but honestly, I just I can't be bothered. I mean, there's matter. one film in the Dooku because the Dooku is dead, whereas mm. the Skooku has lasted over it, a decade. It has, yeah. The most recent one was just last year. And considering they're releasing, what, every couple of years, who it's knows? Still be going. Who knows? Yeah, it, it hasn't been terminated. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, so the, the Dooku could learn a lot from the Skooku. Yeah. Meanwhile, what, the Dark Universe being... Uh, I mean, uh, uh, the Dooku had the mummy uh, back with Tom Cruise. Then they promised a film of Bride of Frankenstein, which was supposed to come out in February of this year. Now, if anyone saw it, please, please let me know because I sure as hell didn't see it. I have no clue what they're talking about. I don't know who was supposed to play the bride. I don't know who was supposed to play Frankenstein or the monster. I guess. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure the monster's in The Bride of Frankenstein, isn't he or her or it? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably. Maybe. Yeah. I think... I haven't read that far into honestly? the uh, Mary Shelley universe, cinematic universe either. Did Mary Shelley do... Frankenstein? Would, I think did so. Did she? The, mis- the Masuku. <laughs> yeah. The, the Mary Masuku. Shelley Universe Cinematic Universe. Yeah. So oh, or it would be... I haven't read Lu- that. The mis- Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we've, gone, we've, we've taken it too far. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Alright, let's try and get back on track. Christ. Uh, okay. So uh, yeah, the Scorpion King... With Dwayne the Rock Johnson, mm. two thousand and two, yeah, first leading role, mm. and this, and you know, followed by Doom. You know, if you look at his rise to fame, those are the two beginning films he started off with. Okay, and then he just uh, just jumps straight into uh, Hobbs and Shaw, just cut everything else, and then he everything all of a sudden, else cut from the middle. Yeah, biggest paid actor in in Hollywood, as far as I know. But it's it's funny actually as well because he was also the highest paid. Uh, actor for his first role ever, so really? he, he was the, it was his first leading role. He was the highest paid first time leading role at that point in time. He he held the Guinness World Record for it actually. Yeah, so that's that's pretty pretty crazy stuff. Vince McMahon he's he's got friends in high places. He was pulling a lot of strings there. He's got get, his grubby little fingers in every pot. Yeah, he's, he's to get to get his friend Dwayne the Rock Johnson that much money five point five million I think he was paid for the Scorpion King. That's, that's more a, money than I'll ever see in my life. That's yeah. Vince, if you're listening to this, uh, I would love to see $5.5 million adjusted for inflation, of course, because we're not monsters. Vince, we understand how if, finances if you're work. listening to this, I would like a part in the Skooku, if you can manage to finagle one. Yeah. Finagle away, please. Uh, well, that's... Is, isn't that... Wow, what a, what a, beautiful, what a beautiful movie. There's, there's, a, there's a lot to be said about this one. But, I mean, uh, yeah, kind of, but we've never seen it, as, as we said before. <laughs> So we've really got nothing to go off here apart yeah. from just a few base facts and general memories of passing conversations where it's come up. Yeah. Only things I know about this entire process of films is just the horrible CGI from The Mummy Returns of Dwayne The Rock Johnson being put onto the body of a scorpion and everyone just thought he looked like a big old gumbo. Is gumbo or gumby? Which one's the weird... I think it's gumby. Gumby is the green boy. I, I think... Is gumbo like a... Who is Gumbo? I don't know. Anyway, looked like a big old Gumby. So he, he just looked completely ridiculous. And I think that's what a lot of people remember that whole series for. 
Yeah, I mean, especially when, now when, that he's really famous, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, he he shows up everywhere, being like, "Hey, remember that time that that big old the big old uh, wrestler guy just looked like an absolute buffoon uh, on top of a scorpion?" I mean, body? when when you when you look up the mm. Scorpion King, um, as you just did before, um, one of the first things that comes up about the Scorpion King is a video fixing the horrible CGI yeah. in the Mummy Returns. You oh know. yeah, definitely. I actually, you know, that that's a pretty recent one as well. I think it was by Corridor Digital. Uh, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, great, great channel actually. They always, always entertaining stuff. They're not uh, paying us any money. Please stop plugging them. They, they, oh, oh. <laughs> they're horrible people. Uh, we need, we need, uh, we need, we need. Cash Please don't say that either. We can't take have them take any legal action against us. Ah, uh, they are people. Uh, they, they, they are people, and they did a video, and they made a video, and uh, it was, uh, it, it garnered a reaction from both of us. So that's all we'll say on that matter. So with all that in mind. It's very, very difficult for us to kind of uh, be talking too much more about this film without a basis. So I think, I think we should really just, just jump I straight in. I think we should pop this in, into the DVD player, yeah. give it a watch, come back with our thoughts. The Scorpion King. It's a pretty good film. Yeah, that wasn't too I'd bad. I'd say so. I had a lot of fun with that. That was pretty cool. Uh, let me clarify. It's not a good film. It's a fun film. It was really fun. I, I smiled a lot. I laughed a lot. I knew... I Look, I think I said this earlier. I thought I was going to predict a lot of what was going to happen in the middle of the movie. I was 100% correct. Like There were a lot of times where I just thought, I think this is going to happen. I said it. It would happen. And James and I would just cheer. We're like, that was awesome. There, I, were, I there were multiple cheer moments yeah. in the film. Once you know what's going to happen, once you guess what's going to happen... You kind of don't worry about that, and you can yeah. worry about the execution of it. And man, the execution was enjoyable. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with this one, to say the absolute least. Out of the out of the two we've seen so far, I'd prefer this one uh, over over the previous. That's that's I think that's fair to say. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, the Shaggy Dog was a more coherent story, mm. but was far far less enjoyable. Yeah. The Scorpion King is essentially just a series of scenes loosely strung together. But, well, for the most part, each one of those scenes mm. is an enjoyable ride. With this in mind as well, before we get too far into uh, talking about either the plot or characters, I think we do want to clarify, I guess, sort of how we want to divide up this analysis, if you could even bother to call whatever we're talking about an analysis here. Uh, for for this episode, but also kind of going onwards as well. So we've decided to split the podcasts up into two. Yeah, exactly. It's just like it's like a classic, uh, I guess, uh, a subway sandwich. You know, why would you why would you go for one one foot long where you can cut it into two six inches? Am I right or am I right? You are correct. You are right. Well, there we go. So yeah, with with all this being said, we're going to divide it up into to two sections, and I think uh, the first section here, we're probably going to have a chat a little bit about the one, or the, I guess the couple of parts of the movie which don't really require as much explanation or really as much detail, I think, as, 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 as another part. So in this case, I think we're going to talk basically just about like a general overview, talk about a couple of the characters, notably Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Well, if you could call them characters, they were caricatures and plot points for the most part. Yeah. They, they barely scraped into character status. Yeah, I mean, hence why we're saying we don't really need to go into too much detail about this first section here. <laughs> there was really, like the characters themselves, there wasn't, too much to go off, but two dimensional is yeah. the correct word. And I think they were pretty they were pretty stock standard yes. action adventure heroes as well. Like there's the there's the typical, you know, heroic 
huge, not as huge as 2019, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, mind you, but athletic and quite muscular titular hero. Alex said during, during the filming, Dwayne The Rock Johnson of 2002 is athletic. Dwayne The Rock Johnson of 2019 is built like a tank. He's, he's huge. It scares the absolute bejesus out of me. But this one is still pretty intimidating. And also, I reckon you can still see where he got his charisma from. Like, it's still there 17 years before It's still... It's, it's, it's embryotic. Yeah. It's going to evolve into the Dwayne we know and love today. Mm. But he's not quite there yet. Yeah. You can see signs of it throughout the movie, which I, I really, really enjoyed. Like, having, having seen his other stuff so far. So, with all this in mind, our, our general thought as well was, if you've kind of seen a lot of other, like, action-adventure movies, or if you've seen a lot of other stuff of this genre, you've probably already seen The Scorpion King. Whatever you think is going to happen in The Scorpion King, based on the first five minutes or even the synopsis, is going to happen in yeah. The Scorpion King. And you will have an absolute blast when it happens as well, which I, which I was really happy about. I was very worried that it would just get too predictable. Kind of did a little bit. It kind of did, mm. but it was enjoyable enough where that predictability didn't matter. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The execution mattered much more than the content. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, look, if you've always got Dwayne The Rock Johnson running around in next to no clothes, being being the fact that this is all set in the middle of the desert, by the way, in the country of... Vague Middle Eastern Egypt. I think it's Egypt. Yeah, somewhere. I know later in the lore of the Skuku... Mm. Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character, the Scorpion King, which is played by a different person mm. at that point, uh, makes a deal with Anubis, which oh, is okay. an Egyptian god. So clearly that takes place in Egypt. Um, and with that being said, our main characters are an incredible melting pot. Oh, definitely. Uh, you, and and that's what I was saying earlier as well. You've got your, your pretty stock standard action-adventure heroes. So we, we what did we have? We had, obviously, the muscular hero, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Amazing. Good fun to, to watch. We had the, uh, the, the, the gorgeous leading lady as well of, uh, of, of the, the prophet who was, who was there. Um, she, was, she was actually, she was pretty cool. She it was, was a sorceress, actually. They described her as. She was a sorceress, yeah. She could see, but so, so her, her whole shtick was that she could see the, uh, see the future. She could, she could see the outcome of battles. Uh, then who else did we have? You have the wacky sidekick. We do. Bit of a flirt. Mm. A bit of a fast talker. Mm bit of a scoundrel yeah a horse thief as well a horse thief as he's uh characterized as and then you have a fourth character brought in much later in the film not characterized at all mm. who's a scientist and these last two characters the scoundrel and the scientist they are introduced and they're kind of there for most of the film yeah they they're always especially the horse thief yeah especially the scoundrel he is there from almost the start and that's about it He's, he's, he's there around. in the he's backdrop. Yeah, he's just uh, he's he's sitting there. He's around. He's having fun. So let's begin with talking about the guy with the most character, Dwayne. Dwayne the du- Rock Johnson. Here he is. What a man. What a what a way to what a way to open it up as well. So we we kind of open. You know, we we don't get to see him straight away. All we all we get to see is you know a bit of a bit of a fighting action set piece. And I think what he's he's part of a part of a group of you know the, a dying race of. Assassins, I think they were. I think I think it's clarified throughout the film that his people have been all but wiped out. Yeah, and he is after the events of the beginning of the film, the last one. He so, is. So, you know, he's special in some way. He's uh, he's he's just happy to be there. He's having a bit of fun. Obviously, you know, he he shows up. He's he's throwing one-liners left and right. Okay, so 
I think it was in the first, I think it was 15 minutes or so was the opening. Is that about right? 15 minutes is what I would say is when the plot starts mm. actually moving forward. Yeah. And I, I want to say within, within at least the sort of opening, I guess, sequence, this is all for the sake of building up his character as well, mind you. So the, the opening, opening sequence before we see the title card of the Scorpion King, he's said nine words. If you're saying, if, if I'm saying that the word you're as you are, is a contraction to one, it would be nine words. Yep. So he doesn't have to say anything to actually kind of create this action hero, which I think is pretty is pretty impressive. And I think that's kind of what he holds to, yeah. to the rest of the film. Mm. Imagine an 80s action hero, mm. one-liners, muscles, good at fighting. Yeah. That is his character. Mm. That is pretty much all he is. Mm. And because it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson and he holds himself with charisma... He's actually very enjoyable to watch. Yeah, he's good at everything that a, a, like an action hero is supposed to be good at. The the one line is a bit weak at times. Yeah, yeah. But he does his best to deliver them. And I think overall, if you were looking for an action hero, you could do better, but not much better. Considering at that point in time, two thousand two, he was he was known for his wrestling. He was known for that one scene that he was in in the second uh, Mummy movie. Um, obviously, you know, to set up the skuku, but he was known for just those two things at that point in time. To be forcing him into a leading role was probably a bit of a surprise. I, I, especially I dare considering say for his, most people. Yeah, especially considering his character in the WWE was a heel, it's surprising that they'd put him in the hero role. Yeah, well, so what do you mean by heel? So as in someone he, he who was, was, was the one who was hated? Yeah, he was the, he was the bad guy yeah, of the okay. WWE storylines, as it were. He's always, but I mean, he was always the charismatic bad guy, though. So I guess oh, they yeah. just kind of swapped it you, to him. You love to hate him. Yeah. And then people realized you can love to love him. Yeah. So as the main character of this film series, he, despite the fact of being the antagonist of the of a secondary antagonist of The Mummy Returns, um, you root for him. You, yeah. You like him. He's charming. He's likable. Um, he seems to have his head screwed on pretty straight as well. Yeah. He, he knows what he's about. Shoulders. Yeah. He knows what he's about. He knows what he's doing. He's muscular. He's competent. So you're like, this is the action hero. I'm going to follow the action hero. Yeah, for The sure. movie expects you to know what films are, basically. Mm. What an action film is. And they don't waste any time setting up characters or whatever. Yeah, I, I, was, I was wondering as well, after the movie, James and I had both said there was an incredible amount of cliches throughout the whole film. Obviously, we've made it abundantly clear this is a really strong action-adventure movie. So I, I specifically said... Is this would this have been cliche in two thousand two? Because we've we've had an extra seventeen years since then worth of of action films, and there's probably been a like a fair amount, especially evolution of technology. A lot of explosions look really nice. Therefore, let's make a whole bunch of action movies. To us, it might seem very cliche. At the same time, rewind to two thousand two. All the reviews at the time were also saying this is an incredibly cliche movie. I think I think also it's because this kind of action adventure star you don't really see anymore. That's not really what people are looking for in films. This comes from the tail end of people like Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. and like Dolph Lundgren and those... Mm. And Stallone, big, I guess, as well. And Sylvester Stallone. And yeah. Big, meaty guys who spit out one-liners and they're charming and there's something you like about them. Mm. 2002 was the very tail end of that. Um, so people had seen decades of that kind of hero beforehand, which comes across as very cliche as this film is plot light. That is definitely true. Having said that though, look, we've we've got the we've got the adventure hero, 
but we've put him in a pretty a pretty cool setting actually and i think it, it made way for a lot of really really cool like set pieces or like a lot of really cool sequences so you know without sort of spoiling too much about specific parts of the plot like i recommend go through a couple like the fight sequences and stuff to sort of show dwayne johnson dwayne the rock johnson rather in uh his amazing amazing fight sequences one of the one of the coolest parts that, that that I thought, and I think that both of us were really really excited for, the hero, the sorceress, the scoundrel, and the scientist. No, not the, the scientist. scientist yet. Not yet. He wasn't there yet. The the trio at the start have have wandered into the desert. They're kind of just escaping, essentially. I believe at that point, Dwayne the Rock Johnson just says, "There's a there's a there's a sandstorm coming." None of them know why he knows that. Doesn't matter. It kind of gets ignored. I think they brush over the fact that this is his home. He knows it. He oh says, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, home. Mm. So he knew I because think, of all the bones. Yeah, I think with a with a passing uh, line mm. that he knows the area very well. Yeah. So so he, with that in mind, he knew that there was a storm coming along, and so he uses this actually as the uh, as the start for a fight with the with the people who have been sent after him to kill him because he's he's essentially uh, almost kidnapped this sorceress. By the way, big bad guy. He's uh, he's he's ready to he's ready to fight. He's ready to take over the world. The only thing is he needs his sorceress to do it so he can know exactly what the outcome of all of his battles are. Dwayne The Rock Johnson says, no, 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 no. You come with me, pretty sorceress lady. And she's like, all right. And so uh, they, they go off together and this guy shakes his fist and sends all of his guards off. And so they show up in this, in this fight. Dwayne The Rock Johnson dons a superhero mask, essentially, uh, and just starts riding into battle against a group of, what, about 20, 30 guys on a camel. I don't think it's 20, 30. I think it's more... 15 to 20. Okay, 15 to 20 guys. They're still like, it's still vastly outnumbered. Yeah. One one to however many. And as a side note, the mm. mask Dwayne The Rock Johnson's wearing in this scene, mm. imagine the top half of Robocop's helmet. <laughs> That's very true, actually. The, yeah. With the visor and the mm. kind of uh, cranium piece. Mm. That is what he looks like. Yeah. You can, you can, you barely, you, I don't think you can even see his eyes. No. But there's like a tiny, tiny little slit through the middle so he can just see. And uh, so he rides in a battle uh, naturally on a camel. Because camels, as we see at the start of the film, camels are smarter than horses. He rides a camel throughout this film. He does. Um, a Which, real camel. Yes. Not CGI or anything. And it looks amazing. It's, it's majestic. It's beautiful to see Dwayne The Rock Johnson on a camel. And I'm really sad that we haven't seen that since. What with the advent of Fast and Furious and now that he's joined that as, as, as Hobbs. I mean, you've got all these really cool souped up V8 turbo super ultra hyper cars where's the camel where are the camels vin diesel screw your head on straight get some camels in the next one that's my psa moving on we see that uh we see that Dwayne the rock johnson goes into a fight they're just like all right this man is insane oh no that the heat has fried his brain uh from the from the desert yeah because he's riding towards them yeah on a camel straight towards them yeah and then as he's riding in the <laughs> i think about three or four pixels worth of a sandstorm come over the hill behind it's, him. It's this is two thousand and two. Yeah. So while the CGI and the Shaggy Dog was bad, this was it was this very was noticeably. It was very noticeably bad. Yeah. It has not aged well. No. We could tell what it was. So like props, at least at least we knew what it was. And, but I feel like we kind of had to imagine a little bit. Sometimes. And I think because it was two thousand and two and CGI was so not great, uh, they got around this by a lot of practical set pieces. Yeah. And that I think that really worked well for them. I thought that was I thought it made the film really pretty. It did. So, Dwayne the Rock Johnson mm. riding towards them. He, yeah, he is. Then all of a sudden, they the enemies just get encompassed by this sandstorm because he's like, "Well, I know this place. I know I know the the battleground on which I'm fighting." He he makes refuge essentially in a nearby cave as well. And this is this is where it gets really cool. So not the fact that he's ridden into battle on a camel 
vastly outnumbered with a sandstorm at his back, which already looks pretty cool, or at least would have in 2002 when people weren't that worried about special effects. Then the set piece goes kind of like kind of like Batman style. He almost. becomes the predator. Yeah, he becomes. <laughs> he does. He hones in on each target. Yeah, takes them out one by one. Yeah, through a series of devilish traps. Yeah. It's some like, of them, it's like not even alone. his own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He just some people, two people actually, at the very beginning of this whole sequence, just get just fall down a pit. What, one guy walks forward. Yeah, falls down into a sand, sinkhole. Yeah, yeah, into and into screams sand. and dies. Yeah, and then the boss says to another guy, "You go forward." Yeah, what does this other guy do? Walk forward and immediately fall into the sinkhole and die. Yep, and I, I was really hoping that it would just be like a line of lemmings, just like just slowly falling into this pit. But thankfully, uh, they say, all right, we've got to use the rocks around. They, they jump around. That's cool. So thankfully, this is 2002 Dwayne The Rock Johnson we're talking about. This isn't actual human boulder Dwayne The Rock Johnson of 2019. So he's actually still very strong, still very athletic, but apparently stealthy. Or at least the, the film makes him out to be. And I, I think I can believe that. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. So imagine this scene plays out much like if you've seen it. Batman Begins, mm. the Christopher Nolan film, where mm. he's taking out the thugs. You never see him but he's rapidly taking out the thugs and the fear elevates with yeah. them. They get more and more terrified as he comes from behind uh, sand waterfalls and grabs them and pulls them under. That was awesome. I, I really loved that part, actually. Yeah. You just see, it's just a beautiful, picturesque, you know, obviously you've seen sinkholes, so you can see, obviously maybe the sand coming in through the top of the cave. Grabs people out from the sand. Another guy starts swiping at the sand with his sword out of just sheer terror. And then he gets grabbed by the feet and then dragged under. And you're like, all right, that's two down. Like, you, you've got a little checklist going in your head. You're like, there's pretty soon, there's going to be one guy. He's going to be soiling himself. Like, he's going to be terrified. And he does. And he's, he's terrified. Yeah. So basically what the scene shows is Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character in its entirety. If you wanted to know what his character was, you pretty much only had to have to watch this scene. His morality and his code, you can kind of expect from an 80s action hero. But... If you want to know what he's like, this scene. He's resourceful, he's strong, he's a good fighter. Mm. That's his character. Yeah, and this sure. is the scene which shows it. Yeah, this is this is his uh this is his showpiece, definitely. Oh, it was beautiful. We've moved on mm. from our Samoan lead actor, who, when put into this setting, you can write off in two thousand two as vaguely ethnic. Yeah. He's uh he's he's not quite from here, I think is just the way that you'd put him. Our leading lady the sorceress, mm. uh, is from Chinese heritage. Yes. While also being American from Hawaii. So another, you know, ethnic-looking character to just throw into your melting pot of vaguely Middle Eastern places. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And what would you say her character is? Um, so she obviously is supposed to be a central part of, I guess, the plot, which we can, which we can talk about a little bit, especially as we go into more the bad guy side as well. She, she essentially starts off as, in theory, she's, she's supposed to be a tool of war. But, I mean, she's also just a human being as well. And I think that's that's where the kind of interesting dynamic goes, is, is basically how different parties are supposed to actually be reacting to her, how different parties actually treat her, while the bad guy is supposed to treat her almost as a tool of war. And that's that's why you know that he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a tool, is because he's, he's treating her like an object, and that's bad. She, you can't do that. She, it's 2019, but it was, it was 2002. And she's not exactly a icon for female empowerment. She's kind of a damsel in distress. Yeah. She's yeah, passed she around. There are moments where she gets kind of a badass moment mm. where she, you know, attacks someone or stands up to someone. 
but for the most part, the plot is driven through her needing to be rescued. It's driven through her powers needing to be used. Mm. So instead of being a character, she's really kind of a plot device. Yeah. And as you would expect with a character like that, she falls in love with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, I mean, in fairness, you would expect that of literally any character who finds himself within within a couple of feet of him. If I found myself in that film... I would have done the same. I'm gone. Yeah. I Even if I was the main antagonist, I would have walked in and be like, you, me, got a, got a room out the back. Let's go. I mean, it's... The film would have been over. Yeah, it's human nature. It is. So, look, I can't, I can't blame her. I can't blame anyone in that film who would have definitely have said the same thing had the cameras uh, not cut at the end. What a, what a hunker. But hunker. Yeah, that, that, that's her character. It's yeah. basically damsel in distress, mm. plot device. She's sultry. She she uses her charms on Dwayne the Rock Johnson and mm. on the main bad guy, and it's very just stereotypical, classical, uh, sexy uh, female trope to get what she needs to get. It's not very you know anything special, as this entire film is not really anything special. It's very two thousands, I think, as well. Very sort of action style. If there is going to be a female in many of these films, it's most likely going to be encompassing that role. Yeah. Also important to note, she wears very few clothes in this film. Yeah, we noticed that pretty early on. So, um, which kind of they... ties into, you know, the whole idea of her not really being anything more than kind of a plot device or a yeah. piece of meat to be passed around. Yeah. Well, look, this is just our observation, by the way, as well. This is, this is just what we're looking at. This is a screen that we've been watching for the last hour and a half. A lot of skin, not much, uh, not much character. Unfortunate, but I mean, that's um, just, that's, we call it like we see it. So, yeah. That's, it's, uh, that's it's the character. It's disappointing. There. Yeah. And then the scoundrel, yes. the character after that, he's a flirt. He A master do, escape artist. A master escape artist, which we'll get into when we do the plot. Yeah. But he can get himself out of situations. But after the first 30 minutes, basically relegated to nothing. I mean, look, if you, if you get another secondary male character, but then put him next to Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I feel like we're going to be encountering this problem quite a lot as we analyze this movie. You get this character, but then you put him next to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Like, what what can they do? This this guy is showing up. He's he's a little bit cheeky. He's he's quite funny as well. He's got a couple of good moments. People like him. Yeah, is the, is the thing the film sets up. Mm. People like him, but then that's never explored. His character is basically a sidekick mm. until the plot escalates, mm. and then he kind of becomes significantly less useful. As the same is for the scientist, mm. which his which is. Played by King Theoden yeah. from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, any Lord of the Rings fans out there, that's uh that's that's him. And yeah, that 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 sort of old old crusty guy who says you have no power here. And his character has no power here because he's no one. He is literally he, almost useless. He's he's shown to be and he's set up to be kind of the fourth member mm. of this group, but it's solely so something can happen in the end with his explosives. So also, just out of interest, so in that scene that we had mentioned earlier about, uh, about you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and, and the, tr- the rest of the trio all fighting in the sand, whatever, that's fine. Straight after that, they just show up in the middle of nowhere and he's also there. Yeah. Making explosions. And he's just like, oh, whoa, hello. This is in the middle of the desert. He could have gone north, they could have gone south, and they would have never met. But they literally went the perfect direction so that King Theoden if I'm pronouncing that correctly, King Thaden and Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Sorceress Lady 
and Scoundrel all meet up at the exact same time. That it's like, well, what's up? It's 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 action movie logic. It's very convenient. If for there's all a criticism I have for this film, it's that it suffers from a bit of character bloat. Speaking of which, there's a whole host of side characters which we see very briefly, like a second Dwayne the Rock Johnson in Michael Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan is um, in this movie. Gets a few cool scenes, mm. but ultimately is basically like. If you've seen an action film, he's the character that doesn't trust the main character. The main character proves himself. Then this tough guy's on his side. Yeah. That's Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. Then he leads a tribe of some badass women and some other tribal people. These badass women, while badass, unlike the sorceress woman, have no character at all. Mm. I don't think we learn any of their names. We don't learn any of their names. And they are led by Michael Clark Duncan. So... <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a it's a trade off. And the know. two bad guys of the film, one guy is boring and the worst actor in the film. Yeah. He Actually, does he's the one played by uh the, the dad in Twilight though, isn't he? Is that yes. the one you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yes. The guy who plays Carlisle as well in uh in Twilight. The I think it's is it Carlisle? I've never seen Twilight, so you're on your own here. I wanna say it's Carlisle. If it's not, I'm we'll look, we'll find out we'll find out later. But the dad in Twilight, he's like the oh, you know, you're all you're all welcome in my house. In this movie, what boy, similar to Robert Downey Jr.'s evolution in Shaggy Dog, we've got this guy. This guy's a block of wood. He really is. He every single line he delivers, he, he delivers some pretty pivotal lines as well. Despite this guy, be, despite everyone in the film being two dimensional, mm. this guy is one dimensional at yeah, best. Yeah, definitely. He is literally a single pixel and he like, does, traveling across the screen, and he does nothing. The no- entire film, he does nothing. Yeah, so I think what well, he brings in. The head of his father at one point. He's he like, betrays his dad at the very beginning of the film, and yeah. that's the only point in the plot that changes anything. Apart from that, he's kind of hanging around being a sycophant. He's just kind of there. And then, uh, see, my favorite part as well. So I think, look, this this character, is, because of how little he pertains to the plot, I think we can just cover him, like, right now. Like, his whole start to end, like, in the next 30 seconds. Go. So, all right, 30 seconds. Uh, all right, he shows up. He's uh, He's really, really boring. He kills his dad. All right, that's the first half of his movie. Then he kind of shows up every now and then. He's like, oh, what are we going to do? And he's like, oh, we're going to win. Cool. And then at the very, very end, the final fight, uh, he rides in on a horse into the palace. And he's like, oh, I'm ready. He's got this giant uh, spear, Polak something like that. Spear, yeah, something. something like that. And he, he, he approaches uh, the, the main door to the palace with Michael Clark Duncan, who's in front of it. And he's just like, oh, I'm ready to... And then Michael Clark Duncan grabs him off the horse and just stabs him. And he's gone. He's dead. That's it. That's the end. Boom, 30 seconds, done. Easy. I, That's his check, character. Check the time. I might be wrong, but that probably could have been under 30 seconds. You could take him out of the film and replace his father's death with the bad guy killing him, and it would make no functional difference. Yeah. Oh, absolutely That not. is my biggest criticism of this film. Yeah. If anything, I think he did take away from the film. I, 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 really I started did. laughing at the first time we, we actually heard him. You know, when he brought in the head of his father, I'm like, this guy is... So boring. He's got a gormless look on his face yeah. when he's not speaking as well. Which, speaking of him being able to be replaced by the main bad guy, that is his character. Yeah, He that's wants true. to rule. He's bad. He wants to have sex with the sorceress. Mm. Who, we find out, he has raised since she was a child. Which makes it slightly weird. It, well, more than slightly. I think that was a really strange point that they it, included in It was in that really movie. strange that they mentioned that. Mm. And mentioned that he wants to have sex with her. Yeah, almost in the same sentence. There was, there was a yeah, it, in the, definitely in the same scene. It was very close to each other, and the entirety of his character is just, I am going to rule. I can win. I have manpower. Yep, that's him. And then he just at the end he kind of just doesn't like he just loses. And yeah. then 
the uh, the Scorpion King rises. I uh, spoilers. Yeah, the Scorpion King wins. I mean, how can Dwayne the Rock Johnson not win? And there you go. Those are the characters of this film. And as we promised, they're not much. It's the, the, they're very two dimensional. There's not much to them, but I mean, they they definitely you know it's it's you see these characters playing around in some beautiful scenery. You get to see these you know these characters having a bit of their own fun, and I think that like a lot of the a lot of the cinematography as well does lend itself to a lot of the characters. I won't lie. There's there's a great part. We get to see Michael Clark Duncan finally comfortable with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Then the sorceress later runs away. Uh, to, to go back to the bad guy because she's trying to save everybody, which is which is pretty ad- admirable actually. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, as it's something you'd expect, yeah, from a film like this. Yeah. So Dwayne the Rock Johnson wakes up. He he's up. He's like, oh, hang on, I need to go. Need to go save her. And Michael Clark Duncan is also in bed, and they've they've all had a party the night before, and he's in bed. He's in bed with this woman, and I'm like, oh, Michael Clark Duncan, you old horn dog, you. Uh, and so Michael Clark Duncan being six foot five, this guy, and he's just built as well. He's large. So he, he gets up and he's like, oh, I hear a commotion. Gets up. There's another woman on the other side of him. And the camera, you, you couldn't even see her because this guy is huge. It, it's I, it's I, a very static shot. Yeah. And then and immediately the camera work tells you, this man fucks. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? If, if the director hadn't sat down with the rest of the crew and storyboarded that entire frame for about a day and a half, I would have been blown away if, if that was just unintentional. Because that was such a beautifully crafted. It's very three funny. seconds. I loved that. I thought there's there's a lot of there's a lot of gems in mm. this film. Yeah, with that kind of cinematography, which really push it over the line mm. from unenjoyably mediocre to enjoyably enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. And I think there was some really really beautiful stuff like that. What what else did they have? Oh, also, yeah, the the last thing that I, I probably mainly want to mention before we can I guess jump into the second part is uh is there. The use of, of changes in frame rate. Um, I don't know. I don't know what their what their plan was. Yeah. Whenever so, there's a dramatic moment, yeah. like Dwayne the Rock Johnson gets poisoned or mm. someone gets thrown off a cliff, the frame rate drops to three, four frames a second. Yeah, I think so. In just think of any action film that you've seen in the last couple of years when you see like a slow mo scene. Spoilers for Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. The end of it. Dumbledore dies. Right. And he falls off the top of the tower. That's all slow motion. That's very dramatic. And that's what the slow-mo is kind of supposed to accentuate. This wasn't slow-mo. It, it was... They, it they was, tried. It, it's like someone said they could do slow-mo. They lied yeah. on their CV. Yeah, there's a and resume the, out there that says, can use Microsoft Excel, uh, can do slow-mo. And that was it. And they go, oh my God, I'm, I'm here now. I've been hired to the Scorpion <laughs> King. What am I going to do? What's a guy got to do? Take out every second frame. Yeah, exactly. And and that's that's exactly what happened. The frame rate dropped from the standard film of what twenty four frames a second. Is that am I right in saying that? I think so. Drops that to around about three or four. It's really really bad. Yeah, it's it's and it's so so noticeable. Um, so it was quite strange. I thought it was kind of okay, like for when he was poisoned, and I'm like, all right, he's discombobulated, like it looks a little off. But then I think that was the first time they used it. I might be wrong in saying that, that. is the I first think- time they used it. But usually when someone's poisoned, you overlay. Images on top of each other yeah. to make it look make like it you're sort of woozy. slow yeah. and woozy. Yeah, yeah. Not a single image that looks really choppy and unprofessional. Yeah. I think it makes the audience feel poisoned as well because I think I got kind of motion sick seeing that happen. Like it there was, was a, a bit of a weird yeah. part there. So that was that was really that was a bit of a strange one. But I mean, yeah, that that always happened in the in the parts of, of intense action. So at least they were consistent past that scene, not beforehand, but past that scene. Yeah. So I don't know. Good on them for trying something new and failing miserably but they tried it nonetheless and you got to respect them for it 
Uh, and I'm sure, you know what, that was probably the, the work of executive producer Vince McMahon, who did show up in the title, uh, the, the credits at the end. Doors burst open. Yeah. <laughs> they say, yeah. Vince, we're getting this film out tomorrow. What do you want? What do we do for Simon? I want frames taken out of this film right now. I, I don't know what Vince McMahon sounds like, but that sounds perfect. I, and they go, Vince, we can't do that. That would look garbage. And he goes, I don't care. I'm executive producer. Get them out right now. He's, he's just spinning around as well this whole time. He's got, he's got like one of the chairs that he uses for all of his WWE stuff. Attached wheels to it. He's just spinning around like an absolute madman. He's like a child in a candy store. Yeah, he wanted his last grubby little finger in the <laughs> VFX pot. Oh, no. Poor Vince. Anyway, <laughs> we'll be back in part two to discuss the, the plot. And the theming, and basically the rest of the film in greater detail. Yep, absolutely. We'll see you then.